Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed In The Game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move, and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell, and is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no! Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as The Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversation with a spice evangelist. Not only does Melbourne-based Liz Edgecombe help people taste cuisines from around the world, but her company, The Spice People, manufactures over 750,000 packets of spice each year. With over 24 years of business experience, Liz initially worked her spices as a side hustle until she found herself a divorced single mother with a rocket of intent firmly lit beneath her. So she got to work with a clear intention to increase business by 10% with each of her existing customers until six months later, she doubled her business. And yet to this day, she champions the tortoise over the hare approach to longevity in your business. With an Australian native spice line amidst her 200 spice range, ordering spices online is just one way we can remain connected while many of our borders remain closed. So, you know, Liz, I have to say, like who couldn't use a little more spice in their life? I mean, I know I could. So you ready to dive into this? Yes, there I am. So thank you for having me on. Okay. So how does a spice journey begin? Like, give me a little bit of the background. Were you like a three-year-old having spices or, or what happens? No, well, I'd love to uh, set the scene for you here. I'm not your typical person that's come into the spice industry. I grew up on a farm and I was your classic meat and three veg, uh, Sunday lamb, Sunday roast. Um, you get the picture of very, very Australian, uh, homely, you know, comfort food. And it really wasn't till I left home and I started to travel and explore and I was like a kid in a candy factory. I was just like all these amazing tastes and flavours I never had before and I was just amazed. And so that sort of sparked um, a desire to just learn more. It was really just a curiosity at first. And um you know, when I came back to Australia and I started hunting down cookbooks and, and shops to find these things, of course, I couldn't find them anywhere. And, you know, initially my inquiries were just for me and like, how can I solve this problem? How can I find these great spices and flavours and, and try and recreate some of the excitement that I enjoyed overseas? And uh, initially, you know, I couldn't find that solution, but um, I'm a firm believer in synchronicity. And I think when things come together, they come together for a reason and it's up to you to take advantage of it. So for me, I certainly had the desire. Um, I didn't I, I didn't worry about the ability because I felt to myself that I backed myself that I would be able to somehow, you know, 
learn these recipes and dive into the world of herbs and spices and and solve that problem. But I didn't really have the opportunity for a while. So it wasn't until I caught up with a friend interstate and uh, we were just having a cup of tea in a kitchen and she opened the pantry cupboard door and I saw all these beautiful spices in um, jars that she'd put in there and I was just like, where did you get those? Where can I find them? You know, how did you get these? And uh, then the journey began. So she sort of told me where she got these from. And I said, well, can I get them in Victoria? Do you think there'd be someone there? And of course there wasn't. So there I saw the opportunity. And at that point in time, that's what ignited the fire. I just thought, well, if I like this stuff and, you know, someone else is going to, you know, that's really the way I thought about the business, that if I wanted to do it and I wanted to have access to these things, then someone else surely would. And so I set about, you know, starting the business and just tried to solve the problem of where would I distribute this product? How would I get it to the market? Who was going to buy it and where were they going to buy it from, et cetera. And that was the journey I started as a as a side hustle, if you like, because I couldn't yes. um, dedicate all my time because I was a young mum with, you know, young children. So there was the desire to have that challenge and, you know, fulfil that um, niche in the market, which was driven primarily from my desire initially, but I wanted to share that with everyone and I just had to do it in a small way to start and test the market and grow slowly. So, again, the old tortoise and hare comes yes. back um, where I, you know, couldn't just launch in and throw everything at this business like some people do. Um, I really just had to juggle those priorities with a young family and start small. And, you know, the good thing about that is you learn as you go and you only make little mistakes when you start small. It's mm-hmm. true. Okay, so... I have traveled a lot. And so my, my, I got stuck first wondering what was the very first spice that caught your attention? Meaning you thought I have never tasted this before. Can you remember what country you were in or what it was that kind of really woke you up? I don't think I can really remember the exact spice. It was more that I would just try the local cuisine and be just like, what is in it? Why does it taste so good? They're still using the same ingredients we use. What is it that made the difference? And, you know, I trotted around the back to some of these local kitchens and poked my nose in and said, help me out here. What what makes this taste great? And people were so willing to share and show me exactly what they were doing and how they were doing it. And I was just, I was hooked. That was it. I was just hooked. And and I want people to hear the curiosity that you had there, because I think that sometimes we, you know, I always am really curious about entrepreneurs, because even though you say side hustle, those little elements of that, the curiosity to go behind and ask the question, what's going on in the kitchen back here? I mean, a lot of people just don't ask. So I think that's really cool that you went behind the veil and asked, and do you ask more questions or do you just like, so they tell you one that you've never heard of. Do you ask more? Oh, absolutely. You, I mean, it's so much fun learning um, in whatever, you know, field that inspires you and you never stop learning. So curiosity, which is what drives and motivates most entrepreneurs, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're always trying to learn a way to do something differently because it's not that um, 
what we come up with is unique, but it's the way we think about something that is generally more unique. So if you look at some of these cultures in, in the third world where countries where traditional foods and cuisines often took days to create those beautiful flavours, certainly in modern society we don't have that time or we don't consider that that time is important. So we want to find the old 80-20 rule, give me 80% of the flavor for 20% of the effort and we're good to go. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was what was my motivation to ask more questions. I would sit there and go, there's got to be a way with modern technology and good cooking equipment. There's got to be a way we can, we can cheat this. We can hack this dish and, you know, get it here. We can uh, bring it back to everyone here in Australia and other, you know, other areas of the world if that's where they choose to buy. And we can give that dish to them and it's not going to be as difficult. I mean, I always laugh. I had a Greek um, uh, salesperson at one stage and in the meeting when I said, okay, you're hired, but I said the first thing I want you to do is to take this Euros blend that I have made and I want you to road test it. And he looked at me and he said, seriously, you want to challenge Nonna's Greek Euros? Seriously? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to back myself. You take it home and you tell me what it's like. And um, he was married to an Italian, so he was Greek and she was Italian. I said, just take it home. Give me, give me your feedback. Be honest. Be brutal. And, you know, he came back and he goes, oh, I think there was a little bit too much cumin in there. And I said, oh, okay. What did your wife think? Oh, she loved it because she likes cumin. We Greeks don't like it as much. Uh And anyway, I laugh because within three months, he'd still given it to all his nonnas and, you know, around the place. And he said they all use it now because they couldn't be bothered making all the spice blends anymore. They just wanted a nice, easy way to get that Greek spice mix, which they use in their dishes. So to me, that was inspirational because I thought, right, I'm really helping people here, you know, Uh and, and, I'm not too far from being pretty authentic. You know, if a Greek, a Greek guy says my Euros is almost right, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> so that's a, such a cool story. I actually think we can learn more from those kind of stories because your mind, we get, you're looking for, okay, is there a better way? Is there a faster way? How can it be more current? How can I maintain the authenticity? Test it on people, like you say, the nonas. And that's really interesting because my mind is, at, is thinking about from a business perspective, you can go from loving something to how do you actually source these spices? Like, do you source the growers? And like, is that what's critical that you have like relationships with the people that grow the spices? And I've never done a business this way. So what's important in starting a business like yours? Um, I think, well, there's there's many things involved in starting any business for a woman and particular as well as um, deciding what your passion is and, and making a business out of it. But some of the things that are really important to me, and I can really only speak from, from my journey and my experience, is that I really had to love what I do. And because at the end of the day, running a business is not an easy gig for anyone. And you often have difficulties and challenges and sometimes you need something that really motivates and inspires you within your business that you can hang on to and get back to every time you feel like you're um, losing your way. And so I think that the first thing is that you must really love what you do and and I really found I love the challenge of finding a new taste and flavour 
and making that for someone. That really inspires me. And, you know, probably I've made a, a number of blends that I probably are not particularly commercial, but I love them and I love the challenge of doing it and I hope someone else did too. So that is the key, I suppose, anchor about it. Obviously, there's lots of business things and mindset and understanding of what is important to make the product good and taste reliable and to be the best quality and safe for people. So whether you need to go back to the source, the farm, or to um, the manufacturers, that is important, but it may not be important in every business. So for me, I loved going back to the farmers and the uh, places and seeing where the products are grown to see how, what the processes are involved. So I love that connection. And, you know, I really spoke to the factories um, and, you know, talked to them about the type and quality that I needed. And, you know, I've I've been very instrumental in going back to the source uh, to, to ensure that, we get a consistent, great spice every time. But it may not necessarily be important for every business, but it was for mine. Yeah, it's, it's actually really great for you to distinguish that because you just remind, in your share, I'm like reminded of wine blends, you know, when I've been on a wine tour and they talk about blend and one time we got to blend wine and, and just how intricate it really is. And it's a real art form and I can see how passionate you are about it which is really, really, really important. Like you say, if we don't, okay, so hold on. That actually brought me a thought. So how long have you been in this business for? Um, it's been nearly 25 years. Okay. So, you you know, at the beginning when it's a side hustle and then it transitions to, I need this to be my full-time income. I'm going to get to my last question in a sec, but I need to go there first. So tell me the transition from, I like making blends that are nice for me to, oh my goodness, I've got the kids, I need to support them. And now this business needs to really generate income. Like what had to happen for you as a woman, as a business owner at that moment? Very good question. And look, I think everyone can probably relate to the situation because in life, we all have road bumps. And in my case, the road bump was I was divorced. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had two small children to, um, you know, look after as well. So you're torn between that nurturing um, element of being a mother first and foremost and being able to, you know, pick up the kids after school, to allow them to enjoy some extracurricular activities, but obviously perhaps not as many as the person who has more free time, the mum who has more free time. So there were a lot of things tearing, you know, you in two, if you like. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I knew when my business was a side hustle that it had potential and I had actually made a decision not to um, develop certain parts or go deeper into my business while uh, I didn't need to. So I guess for me it was um, it was just, okay, this has happened to me, now I need to pick myself up, dust myself off and it's time to go to the next level. And so you had to really... Um, focus down on on how you were going to do that and you mentioned earlier my old tortoise and hare approach and uh look honestly it's been been the right way through for me that 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 philosophy where you know that five or ten percent what could I do better today five or ten percent better than I did last week and it really did double the business that is no joke and no no story just to share um it truly did do that 
And because you, if you think about it, even if it was 2%, if the compound effect mm. is so amazing that you could double your business in 12 months if you did 2%, you know, it's just having that belief in yourself that there's a way through this, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you just have to take one step forward, deal with what you can deal with today and when you do get overwhelmed and you do get caught up, that there are a number of strategies and processes that you can rely on um, or implement to help you stay on track. And, you know... Okay, Liz, um, I have to ask because this is a very great recommendation you have here about 10% better with your existing customers and my how meter comes up. So when you say to yourself, okay, with that existing customer, I want to increase business with them, or I want to improve it by 10%. What are some of the strategies? What are some of the, did you have an offer in mind? Like what did you bring that existing customer? You know, I think it's some attention to detail is the biggest thing. Um, I had an attention to detail. I had a good connection with my customers. Um, They were very supportive. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say that my customers were perhaps my best mentors during that time. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, small businesses all love to help each other. So I would talk to them about, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I think I'm doing. What do you think about this? Do you think that would be of benefit to your customers if I were to do this? And they would be really good at giving me great feedback. Um, They would also be good at recommending me to other customers. So I was able to get new business as well as a result of that. Um, And it was just, you know, they wouldn't back me if they didn't believe that what we were doing was of benefit to their customers as well. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, I was solving a problem that needed to be solved and they were encouraging me to solve more. And by doing that attention to detail, by going into those stores and even picking up the simplest thing or perhaps merchandising the stock just a little bit better than the average merchandiser, owners, business owners notice that. Customers notice that. If you go to a display that's a mess, would you buy something from that display or would you buy the product next door that's beautifully displayed and, you know, the stock all fronted up and full and there's not lots of outer stocks and things like that? And I think sometimes we forget it's the little details that make the biggest difference. And that's what I mean by 5 or 10%. You know, did I get the stocking right, rate right last time? Did I under or overstock the product so that, you know, it didn't look nice by the time I got back in there? You know, such little things can make such a big difference. And I think that's the message I'm trying to share with everyone. Mm-hmm. Oh my, okay. So that's a goal. There's like so many nuggets in what you just shared <laughs> because I do, I think sometimes it gets overwhelming, especially when you're being, if you looked at it from, okay, I've got a side hustle that now has to generate a full income. I have to support two children. I mean, I look at that, like you, you're at Mount Everest and you look up to the top and it's just too big. And 10% for me is each step. But then you've just broken it down one step further for me and really said the value of being open with your customer and honest, I think, allowed them to kind of expand you and your ideas. And it was like this kind of mutual, like you said, they were your mentors. I think a lot of us can really learn from that comment right there. Because sometimes I think as 
you know, in leadership, I come from sport. We think we have to look tough, like we have it all together, like we know what we're doing. When we're missing a mentor right in front of us, like that for me was a beautiful description of referral as well. <laughs> Testing in the market, but all of those fancy words mean relationship. Actually, integrity, like that was just really cool to hear how you opened yourself up. I'm thinking of trying this. Um, I think we can all really gravitate to that part of the story. And you had success. So you've proven that people are there to help. You know, you don't have to look like you have it all together and you know all the answers. You know, mentors are all around. Anyway, I've, I really got a lot from that. So thank you. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah, no, I really, I'm really inspired by that. And I know like women in particular, female entrepreneurs are someone that you really want to help, especially those in third world countries. So describe um, that relationship and how, you know, that passion for creating blends has kind of transitioned or included third world countries, like women in third world countries? Um, excellent question, Sarah. Uh, you know, one of the things and part of our mission is all about empowering and inspiring people. Mm. And, you know, one of the things I learned when I travelled to the many countries where the spices come from is that I was kind of concerned about many of the stories I was hearing from the people that they're that there was a big trend away from traditional farming practices and, um, you know, there was moves to the city and you know, all these rich cultures and traditions were being lost because it was very hard for some of these families to continue to operate their businesses. They weren't viable or they didn't have access to funding to make them viable. So, um, you know, I was lucky that the business had grown. This By this stage, the Spice people had grown significantly and I was able to do something more than just, you know, create great blends and help people to cook better and, and enjoy a spice journey. So I really wanted to help people to help themselves. And, uh, you know, that's my firm philosophy in, in, you know, rather than give someone a fish for a day, you know, I'd rather help them to... Um, for the long term to be to support these people to educate their children to continue their farming practices and build a sustainable future for themselves so with our charity that um, we support we support um, micro loans through kiva organizations oh, right. so um, we have you know and as we get bigger we can put a little bit more and a little bit more but it's it's a beautiful setup in that it's the, it's like a magic pudding because once you lend to someone and they pay you back then you can lend it again. You know, it's just an amazing, you know, circular economy, if you like, where you can just keep giving and um, growing. And honestly, I, I've been doing that since 2008. Wow. And I think we've done over 59 loans in 28 countries. And I've really had the lowest rate of default, probably a lower rate of default than some of my customers, to be honest. And so <laughs> I'm just like, it's a really fantastic wow. enterprise. So you know, we just do something in our small way. So that's, I really feel passionate about educating and empowering women in these third world countries. I do believe that's, that is a roadmap to a sustainable future. That's really beautiful. You've got me thinking more, you know, I have a place that I focus giving at the moment, but I'm, yeah, you've inspired me around that because I've read about it, but I've not done that. So thank you for sharing how it's been going for you. And, um, so you talked about sustainable over time for these farming practices. And then I, it has me thinking 25 years in a business, 
Um, what is it that gets you up in the morning these days? Like when you have a business and it's been through so many iterations and you're here, here you are in podcast land. You're so trendy, Liz. Um, but what gets you motivated or inspired these days? And if you could, you know, what's feel free to just fantasize with us, but what's your greatest, grandest possibility? And what would the Spice people be doing? <laughs> well, you know, it, our purpose has been to empower and inspire, like even the shyest cook like you, Sarah, to give them the confidence to enjoy um, delicious flavour and aromas um, that spices infuse into the cuisines of the world. Um, you know, that's the reason we keep getting out of bed every day. We want to make that joint journey even better, even easier, you know, with the advent of QR codes, which I'm sure everyone now knows what a QR code is, um, you know, we've been able to put um, links on the back of our packets to, so that, you know, if, if you want to cook something different than perhaps what we suggest with the spice mix, you've got a whole list of um, exciting recipes where you can uh, dive in there. And if you want tofu in your Moroccan tagine instead of chicken, you go for it. We've got a recipe, you know. So we're constantly... Um, trying to enhance that journey and making it easier and fun and more accessible. So, you know, at the end of the day, our whole vision is to open the door to a world, new world of cuisine and flavour to everyone. And the only way, we, you know, what motivates us is to keep making that journey even easier and better and more exciting and accessible. And, you know, we firmly believe that people need to connect through food and culture and this is my little part in trying to help you do that. And particularly in this COVID world, post-COVID world, where we're just not able to travel, um, it's really lovely to be able to share these um, experiences through food and connect to people because it's important for our health and well-being. It's important to keep us um, uh, challenged and inspired. You know, it's, it's hard when you're not jumping on a plane and going to visit your favourite tourist destination you need some excitement and a bit of adventure so uh, in our little small way we're helping you you know bring that into your kitchen <laughs> I've just had this idea you've maybe already had it already but in my family because I'm Canadian living in Australia we do these like game nights with my family it's their night my morning so what if imagine if they had like Aussie like there was a meal and they made an Australian meal with your Australian native blend. Imagine that over there in Canada. And there was literally like bringing Australia because there's a lot of talk for us of how long it's been. We haven't been able to be on a plane. And imagine creating these environments where families come together over food. And I think, yeah, it could be really cool just to have, um, just to set the scene and that your spices um, make them feel like they're here when they're not physically here. Could be kind of interesting. Sorry, that idea just popped in my mind that that's something we could do. <laughs> oh no, I think you're you're right on the money, and <laughs> that's exactly what we spent a lot of time last year doing. It's so funny. I'm just like, oh, girls, reading my mind. Um, so, so we we put together a native, um, an Australian native collection, and um, we put together a special Australian native spice blend as well. But we put together a Christmas menu so that people who were not here in Australia could have a little Aussie Christmas wherever they were and we did send it across to different people in the world um, to do that and, uh, you know, and, of course, a lot of Australians decided to 
give it an Aussie twist this year for Christmas because, oh, okay. you know, all things Australian, it was like, let's just break from tradition because, you know, where is tradition this year? This yeah. year is not about tradition. So um, we put that together and, you know, then we thought, well, how can we make this destination dining, which is what we what oh, really what you're saying, is destination dining even to the next level. So we've put together a beautiful um, Spice People chai-infused candle. Ooh, and so you can buy this, you know, so it's this is hot off the press. Um, and a beautiful little Spice gift bag to put it in. So a little calico gift bag, which you can use for storage and do that. And so we just thought, let's take that experience to the next level. So, you know, we've put the collection together excuse me, together, and, uh, you know, so now you you can have your little chai-infused candle to set the mood and the ambience, and you can dive into the delicious little recipes we've put in there or use your own. I mean, of course, you know, this is all about your choice. You do you, but here's a chance to, um, you know, experience something really quite special and fun, and, yeah, it would be lovely if you could, as you say, almost have a Zoom hookup and uh, enjoy the meal with your family from overseas or interstate even. I mean, gosh, yeah. we haven't been able to go across the borders, let alone worry about going outside Australia. So, um, yeah, look, I absolutely oh. think that is that is exactly what we thought at the Spies People, exactly, you know, how can we do that to the next level? So I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a pretty exciting new development for us and, you know, we basically um, hope that, that it really goes well. And I think that just demonstrates that in any environment, there's always a possibility. There's always something that rises out of the embers and that's what you're doing with that idea. I, I was proclaiming my my self-proclaimed bland food way of being but I just realized in your description that I do um I do a good chai so I get all the ingredients and then I put them together but the biggest reason I do it is because of the smell so you just nailed the candle idea way easier <laughs> um and at Christmas I used to do scents that reminded me of home because some I would miss the snow or I'd miss different things about being in Canada I put on walking in a winter wonderland and put my oranges and like my cinnamons and my cardamons and all these things in a pot. And I do that because it does, it, it evokes memory. And yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So just think that next time you want to go, go to uh, the Sahara desert and you're thinking Moroccan nights and Marrakesh and that music, you know, we could even have the music as well as the candle, you know, destination dining is a thing, I think. <laughs> Well, Definitely. you're opening, yeah, like you said, you're opening my mind because you said, and I'm going to leave it with this for everyone, you said something really critical because I just recognize as you were speaking why I go bland food because I interpret spices as complicated. Takes a lot of time. Oh, no, that's not me. So I feel like I'm out of the game. And so you've just shared, no, no, this is a hack. This is how it can be done faster. I can be Nona in two seconds. And so thank you. I'm convinced, even though you didn't mean to, I never, um, and I really appreciate who you are as a female entrepreneur and what you've been dedicating over these past 25 years and how you give back to other female entrepreneurs as well. It's really beautiful. So thank you. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been lovely to be on your show and to hopefully share a few tidbits with your audience and they can take away some inspiration. And I really appreciate your time.
We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review.